0: And we're live again, Uh, this is the Michael Ellis Show, we're on episode 6, and today we've got the comeback coach, Mike Sears, welcome to the show, how are you, Mike?
1: Michael Ellis, what a pleasure to be with you live on your own show, and with your audience as well, I'm doing super well, thank you, in fact, no, I'm going to give you the answer I give to anybody who asks me how I'm going, terrific. Terrific.
0: (laughs) Terrific. I like that answer. So, um, would you like to give you a, 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 give a little bit of introduction about yourself to to the audience? Um, what have you done in life? Where have you been, and how have you got to where you are? Just a quick overview. Oh,
1: a quick? You ask me a question like that? <laughs> you want me to be quick? Well, I'm 62, so I've done a bit, and I've done more than most and i don't mean that in a boastful way it's just that that's the way life turned out for me but where am i now well i'm a former suicidal alcoholic who has been clean and sober and well since 2009 and 2009 is a significant year because that's the year when in march 2009 i sat in the addiction doctor's office and he asked me straight out are you going to change or are you going to die before the end of the year and that's how it was so that that's the start of a comeback journey of my own and now i'm on a mission to help bring one hundred thousand people out of a setback or out of adversity and back to a life of serenity where there's success there's calm there's peace and there's a trouble free mind. So that's where I'm at at the moment. Brilliant.
0: Brilliant. Brilliant. So you've got this brand new podcast that you've just released um, last year. And yeah, eight, eight episodes in. Uh, do, you yeah. to, do you want to just quickly tell us about that and what it's about? What you go with that? And yeah, just let us know. I'd love quickly
1: to. Quickly about it. Yes. Very hard for me to be quick. Obviously, somebody's spoken in your ear and said, remind Michael to be quick because I can talk under wet cement. So if I start to prattle on or I do not be backwards in coming forwards by saying, Michael, you shut up. We've got more questions. So, okay, you want me to be quick. I started a podcast late last year and I've published eight episodes and it's on all the major uh, podcast platforms, including Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Stitcher, and all the other major ones. You've only you've only got to search Mike Searles, the Comeback Coach. Eight episodes. Now, I only just found out today that most people who start a podcast don't get beyond ten. Don't get beyond publishing ten episodes. Well, I've got a goal this year, twenty twenty one, to publish one hundred podcasts, and I'm going to do it. Watch me. And the reason why I've set that target is because I have to reach at least 100,000 people. You know what? Why 100,000 do I want to reach 100,000 and help 100,000 people come back from adversity and setback? Uh, The actual figure is over a million. But if I said a million, no one would believe me, right? I'd lose credibility. So I say 100,000 because it's a little bit more feasible. It's a bit more believable. But I'll blow blow your pants off right now. My target is 100,000 a month. So I still want to reach over a million people in a year. And I'm going to do it too. And I'll tell you what, because people are dying. That's the seriousness. All jokes and all, all, all flippancy aside, there are people suffering right now in a setback of some kind. And suicide is very real. Suicidal tendencies is very real. Depression that leads to suicidal um, tendencies is very real. And and so sadly, people are killing themselves Every day, and I want to be a contributor to help to
0: help alleviate some of that. That's that's fantastic. That's fantastic. And uh, congratulations on your eight episodes in so far. Um, I actually listened to two of them last night. Um, You're the one. So, <laughs> I'm the one. What do you mean? I, <laughs> the the one and only listener.
1: Yeah, I checked the stats. I had two listeners. Are you... Now I know who it is.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it with me. I was me. I was checking it out. Um, because, you know, I've got to do my due diligence and
1: yeah, give it a little bit thinking.
0: of research beforehand. So that's what I did. So, so, guys, quickly, before we go any further, if you visit Michael EllisOnline.com forward slash go forward slash comeback podcast, that will take you straight over to Mike Sear's podcast, which from there you can decide which platform you want to listen to.
1: Um, oh,
0: that's very kind of you. Thank you very much. Uh, our following that, there's also michaelellisonline.com forward slash go forward slash comeback YouTube, which will take him, take you across to, his YouTube version of the podcast. Uh, you, well, at least that's what you, I believe that what it is.
1: You have been doing your homework. There's no doubt about it.
0: Kudos to you. Have.
1: Kudos to you.
0: So now onto, onto, onto the more, more or less, onto the interview side of things. We've, right. we've gone through um, how you've got to where you are and what you've, recently been up to, Um, but give us a little insight of what you was doing last year before the podcast launched.
1: Okay, so, so 2009, can I just quickly go back to 2009? So I'm unemployed and unemployable. That's how sick, sad and broke I was at the time. Before that, I actually had a professional career. I started out as a, I studied sociology and graduated as a social worker and, uh, I've coached back then it was called counseling, but I've coached, uh, thousands of people in one way or another, coached, counseled, consulted, and, but, uh, I had a professional career, uh, 2009, uh, in that state on the journey back. And so, uh, in, in treatment and in recovery, uh, I had a lot of time. And so I would get online and I'm thinking I've got to generate some income for myself. Uh, and I stumbled across uh, copywriting. And so I, I, to cut the story short, I told you I could talk under wet cement. I, I studied copywriting. I, I um, went all in. And in 2013, I got my first paid copywriting client, $35 US. And the copy I wrote was terrible. So uh, that was the start. So I, I could literally call myself a professional copywriter because somebody had paid me a fee. But I did get a lot better. And, in fact, I, I, got, I got not to A grade level but I, certainly above average because I invested a lot of time and study uh, with the greats and, in fact, became a certified Dan Kennedy uh, copywriter and Dan Kennedy in in in. Uh, marketing and indirect response marketing is a bit of a legend so that's what i was doing but uh, i started doing some coaching um with in the marketing side of things so i was doing a lot of copywriting for uh, chiropractors and uh as an adjunct to that i started doing some coaching as well and I, it reminded me how much i love the one-to-one work in coaching, communicating, talking. And so I started doing more of that. And then I realised that I wanted to do more coaching along the lines of uh, personal development, self-improvement, self-help. You, you could put, call it life coaching if you wanted to. And that's led me. And then uh, when the pandemic hit the March last year, Uh, I was, I already had the momentum running and I had clients, coaching clients, and I already had the momentum, but I realized that there was going to be a greater need and that has certainly proven to be the case. And so that's why I'm now doing probably 80% of my business is coaching and 20% is now copywriting, whereas it used to be the other way
0: around. Great. Great. That's interesting. Um, So you prefer the one-to-one saying, the the one-to-one sessions, working intimately with a client? Um, Well, I'll tell you something, Michael. In, uh, what is
1: it now, 10 to 2013, eight or nine years of of writing copy, there's not one testimonial that I've had from a client that's brought me to tears. But there's been one testimonial from a from a coaching client that literally had me with tears running down my cheeks, his testimony was, "Mike, you've changed my life," and that really cut me. I mean, it really, really moved me, and I could never—I know I could never get that from copywriting, but I know I, I can, and I do get that involvement from one-on-one coaching. And and uh, my intention is to move the the the. Um, uh, the design of my work into one-to-many coaching and, and, and also digital coaching programs as well, which is what I'm working on at the moment, excuse me, <clears throat> which is what I'm also working on at the moment.
0: Great, great. So you just mentioned that you were a, a Dan Kennedy certified copywriter. What does that mean? Um, does, that, does that mean Dan Kennedy had his own certification um, and he's on school for copywriters,
1: not a school as such. He has a course. It's friggin' expensive. Um, I suppose everything is relative, uh, but to me, it was. I mean, it's thousands of dollars to do it, and it's done through AWAI. At least that's what it. That's where it was. I signed up in 2013 to do the Dan Kennedy certified copywriting. Program and that was through AWAI, which is American Writers and Artists Inc. And that's where uh, Dan Kennedy's course was. And um, it's it's an online course uh, where you do get hard copy training manuals sent you in this big box comes with big manuals. And uh, so there's a lot of work in it, and it's not just like you pay a fee, which then gets you a certificate or certified Dan Kennedy. It's not like that at all. You've got to prove that you've done the work. So there's ins- there's assignment work that's to be done. And then there's, and there's a final assessment, which is done. It's said by Dan Kennedy himself. Well, I know the caliber of Dan Kennedy. He just, I just, I just trust it that this is that he, he did assess the work and and uh, so that was what I went through. And so you do get a certificate and then you, what that means, Michael, is that you are then uh, eligible to use that designation. Uh, Dan Kennedy certified copywriter for infomarketers is the actual information, is the full designation. So that's what that was and that's what that is. And I think there's only five, maybe 600 um, certified Dan Kennedy certified copywriters on the planet as, as, at the moment. So it's still it's still a uh, uh, look. If you if you've got that designation after your name, it means a few things. One, you know something about copywriting, right? You're not a pretender. Uh, you you've invested time and money, obviously, into you into improving your skill, and that gives credibility. And Dan Kennedy name, I mean, it's um, talk about writing on the coat tales of somebody you know one of the you know michael one of the biggest names in the direct response marketing field dan kennedy so that's what that means and it's helped me it's brought me clients there's no doubt about it because i have another blog where i state that i'm a dan kennedy certified copy and i answer that question what does it mean dan kennedy certified look some people say who's dan kennedy and, all right he's not known by everybody uh and then for those who do know dan kennedy well what does it mean you're a dan kennedy certified copywriter so i've actually got a page
0: that explains that on a blog And the reason why I asked you. <laughs> Always a reason. Always oh, a reason. Um, yeah. So that's that's it's interesting. Um, it's interesting to to learn what's actually out there. Um, because I never knew we had a, a certified copyright course. Um, so it was interesting to learn that. that that's fantastic. But like you said, you've moved over to about eight percent coaching now and you're at, at around about 20% copyright. Do you, do you ever think you'll fully transfer, transfer over to 100% coaching um, and no. do uh, copywriting comp- completely? No. I don't
1: think so, no. You know, Dan Kennedy teaches that one is a very, very bad number in anything. To be doing only one thing, to have all your eggs in only one basket, to be relying on only one thing. I mean, I mean, can you imagine anybody relying only on Facebook for all their leads with what's going on and what's likely to happen in the future if signs are anything to go by? Uh, <clears throat> think about back when the Google Slap happened, for those who remember uh, with Google Advertising and the Google Slap where, um, where entrepreneurs who relied almost entirely or 100% entirely on Google AdWords or AdSense and AdWords, Suddenly Google changed the, 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 the rules of the game and, and uh, people just went flat broke overnight. So anyway, no, um, in fact, uh, it goes like this. Um, coaching, consulting, collaboration. Uh, copywriting's in there, but uh, one-on-one to one, and one-to-many coaching, also digital coaching where I could be three o'clock in the morning, fast asleep, and dribbling saliva on my pillow, and yet somebody could still be doing a Mike Searles comeback coaching training somewhere in the world because it's, it's pre-recorded, it's digital, and it's accessible uh, on, to, uh, on demand. And collaboration. So we're talking about income generation and business because, you know, it's interesting, Michael. Uh, I do believe that anybody has it within them to be a coach. That's the first thing. Now, some people might say, oh, hang on a minute. I also say any 22-year-old with 62 years of experience can do what I do. So that's a little bit of a backhand swipe at, at kids who think they can do anything and become an expert you know, because they've read uh, Russell Brunson's book, Expert Secrets. Well, there's just a little bit more involved than just that. But uh, I do believe anybody has, has it within them to be a coach. But I don't think everybody's got it within them to run a coaching business. We're
0: back. And we're back.
1: Okay. Um, and then the vicar said, now we can all have some fun. It's an old, old uh, punchline to a joke that's told when something like that happens. So uh, where was I? Uh, I? Yeah, I did say that uh, I believe anybody can become a coach because there's yep. ample information available to train and teach somebody how to coach somebody. That's the least of the worries. It's running a coaching business. Getting the, get, generating, running, running content to generate leads, to, to generate interest, to, to uh, bring people into your funnel and communicate with them in such a way that somebody says, I want to sign up with you. That's not so easy. And it takes a lot of hard work.
0: You know, it does take a lot of hard work. Um, yeah. You know, it's, um, it's harder than what people seem to think it is. Everybody right, so everybody does turn around and say all this stuff is easy. It's simple, it's easy. You can go out there, you can have your own business, it's easy, it's simple. You just do this, you just do that, you do this, you do that, blah blah blah. blah. But they forget one thing. Anything that's easy or simple is darn bloody hard because the barrier to entry is so low. Um and it's and it's the persistence and the the, um, the perseverance of one's own mind of constantly putting in small action steps every day to, re- to, to get to that end result of where they want to be, which is usually owning their own business, so having, having time freedom and, and what have you, but it takes a lot to get there. Spot on,
1: Michael. And it reminds me of a saying, systems work, people fail if you're prepared to follow a system stick to a proven system there are systems that work i follow one and i'm still learning about systems that work the best Uh, but some people for whatever reason think they don't need a system they can go ad hoc and it's tough you know i'm also reminded I'm also reminded right way back to the 1980s when I was a social worker and I was doing a lot of one-on-one coaching face-to-face but also telephone counselling on the telephone on the old-fashioned telephone you held to your ear and uh, connected with a cord and uh, I was buying my lunch this day up the street from the office and the lady in the shop said what is it you do oh, I'm a counsellor oh what, what do you do Well, I'm on the phone. I actually talk to people on the phone. And she said, oh, you sit on the phone all day. Gee, that'd be all right. And I just thought, well, you really have no idea uh, what's involved. (laughs) Burnouts are very real. uh, Burnout is very real in coaching, any one-on-one work. Uh, Michael, you probably already know that. Your listeners or some of your listeners may already know that. And this is why a system can help prevent burnout. If you don't have a system in place, you are at risk of anything happening and everything happening. Super, super effective and and um, successful, very fast. And the the tire, the you can have a blowout on all four tires and come to a screeching hole very quickly unless you have a system in place.
0: I mean, I burned out.
1: I mean, I'm speaking from experience. I burned out not only from social work, but I burnt out. I mean, I fizzled out in life. I came to a screeching halt. You know, I had this career. This career and um, you know, may I tell you, I lived a lie. So what I mean by that is my life was a facade. Uh, I, I, I would walk out of my front door, Michael, to go to work in the morning wearing crisp white shirt, silk tie, very smart suit, shoes, looking the goods. It was all fake because underneath I was suffering and depressed, but I didn't fully understand it all. And the depression wasn't like you get sad because you look out in the morning, morning, it's a great, gray clouds, it looks like it's gonna, not that kind of sadness. I'm talking about a clinical depression, Which is totally unrelated to anything external and this is something i suffered with for a long time and eventually uh, living the lie self-medicating with alcohol and drugs as i did to become addicted Uh, you can't live that kind of a life forever and uh, so you know when i talk about burnout one way or another uh, it's very real and it can be very um, damaging but by the grace of God, of uh, by the grace of God, Michael. Sorry to cut you off there. I did want to say, uh, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous uh, have have a saying. Uh, every every Alcoholics Anonymous meeting that I attended, and I've attended thousands of them, um, finished with the Serenity Prayer, and with permission, I'd like to say it. And this is not un- this is not downloading religion on anybody. So please, um, Michael, and anybody, the viewer, don't get. Don't just start to worry that I'm going to go religious on you. It's not going to happen. But the serenity prayer is this, and it's powerful. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Now, where's the power in that? Serenity to Serenity to accept, accept the things that you cannot change. There's things in life we can't change. You know that, Michael. Your viewers know that. Not everybody does. When we come to realise it, it's very freeing to know that you can't change everything. There's things outside of your control. But how do you know which are the things you can control and which you can't? Things you can change and which you can't. Uh, courage to change the things you can change. And wisdom to know the difference between what you can change and what you can't change. That's the secret. And that's where serenity comes from. And that's where I found my serenity over the years of making that delineation between that's outside of my control. COVID-19 is outside of my control. Wearing of masks and shutting down businesses, it's outside of my control. I don't agree with it. I've got my own opinions, not going to go all political here, but uh, it's outside of my control as it is all of our control. Uh, What is in our control? And then you make the decisions and the choices and you you maintain some emotional and mental health that way.
0: That's great. So as you can see, the title of this live stream is positivity in manifestation and dreams with yourself. Um, So what's it mean to be positive in your views? um, And... Yeah, does everybody need to have a dream? Wow, that's a great question, Michael.
1: Uh, First of all, positivity. Uh, It sounds flippant to say it's the opposite of negativity, but there's kind of depth in that. Um, The author of Power of Positive Thinking, Dr. Norman Vincent Peale, said that he found something out late in life that he wished he had learned early in life. And that is that a positive attitude attracts positive things and a negative attitude attracts negative things. Now, it just sounds so simple, doesn't it? But uh, he was a learned man, uh, Dr. Norman Vincent Peale. Great book, by the way, if your listeners, viewers, haven't read it. Um, It's one of the old classics in the genre of self-help, The Power of Positive Thinking. I would highly recommend it. There's a ton of books that I would highly recommend, and that's one of them. Does everybody need a dream? Everybody needs a mission and a purpose. Now, we know that in corporate life, uh, companies and corporations spend thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars with consultants to write them a mission and purpose, and it's a waste of bloody time because it's all just intellectual piffle and waffle, and it's something that goes on to the corporate annual report. And it means nothing to anybody in the company. I've worked with companies like that. I know what that's about. A personal mission and purpose statement, that's something different because that's back with an emotion. And so what's an example of a personal mission and purpose statement? Well, well, I'm on a mission. I mentioned it earlier. I'm on a mission to help 100,000 people come back from a setback and do it quickly. Now, that's a mission I have. Where's my emotional attachment to that? Well, I told you my story so you can work it out for yourself. It's not, this is not just an intellectual thing. It's not something I've, I've seen somewhere on YouTube somebody doing and thought to myself, hmm, I think I'd like to do that. Oh, I'm going to do that. No, this is coming from experiential uh, background. I've lived it. I've lived lived it. I've bled tears over it. It's in my whole system to want to help people who are suffering. And suffering, by the way, you know, God forbid somebody who might be viewing right now is going through an addiction. I hope that's not the case. It's probably not. Uh, You know, the, the viewer right now, Michael, is probably not addicted to drugs and alcohol. They're probably not flat broke. They're probably not burned every worthwhile relationship they've had, including family. I mean, this is all the things I did. Talk about the power of forgiveness. I mean, this is why I am very quick to stop myself when I see and recognise myself um, judging others and judging others critically. I pull myself back. I have no moral right or authority to judge anybody lest I be again judged for my background. So I I have a family and people close to me who... Have forgiven me of my stupidity and some of my behaviour, and so forgiveness is very powerful. See, I told you, don't let me keep talking; I'll lose track of what we're talking. I've, lo- I've lost track of your question. Forgive me. Uh, so I'm going to throw it. I'm going to cut myself off
0: and come back. Cl- come back to you. Oh, it's uh, it's amazing talking to you. It's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, uh, so we were actually on about. Um, a dream. You should have a dream. Yeah. Yes.
1: I don't know. but I would recommend everybody have a dream. I think life's better when you have a dream. I mean, what are the, what are the, antonyms, uh, what are the synonyms of having a dream, having a goal, having a purpose, having a mission, having a target in life, having a, dire- a sense of direction? These are all synonyms for what you're asked, what we're talking about. And uh, I'd rather be positive than negative Anytime. Uh, is it humanly possible to be positive all the time? I I don't think so. I've not yet met anybody. I'm certainly not like that. Uh, So
0: I was going to ask you that question.
1: (laughs) Oh, I went through something in the last 24 hours that that sort of destabilised me. You might wonder why I'm wearing a rubber band on my wrist, which I click like that. This is a little device. You can search this on YouTube, actually. Just search rubber band on wrist device and you'll see what this is about. This is a little device that I use to to correct myself when I catch myself out thinking in a negative way. Because you can't be 100% positive all the time because the negative thoughts don't come from your conscious mind. Most of them come from your subconscious mind. Where we don't have any conscious control of what's bubbling around down there, we can have a conscious control over what we put in there, but we don't have any conscious control of what's coming up from the subconscious. And what's in the subconscious is is Bob Proctor of, of uh, Proctor Gallagher. Uh, most people in the in the new age, uh, in the law of attraction uh, world know of Bob Proctor, old as a dinosaur. Uh, he he. He talks about paradigms and paradigm shift, and he talks about what is a paradigm. A paradigm is a collection or a bundle of thoughts and beliefs, and these bundles are relevant to certain things. For example, I might have, I have a paradigm over boiled tripe. Now, I don't know, a tripe is a British thing, and I'm an Australian, so a colonist. Uh, tripe is boiled uh, you're, you're an English guy, so tripe is boiled English boiled uh, sheep's gut, isn't it? Yes, yeah. Uh, uh, terrible stuff. I mean, I was fed tripe when <laughs> I was a kid. Woeful stuff. I have a paradigm about tripe. Do not ever put a bowl of tripe in front of me. Uh, now, here's the thing. Some people love tripe, so it's all relative, isn't it? Okay. Some people yes. love Vegemite. Some people cannot stand Vegemite, Australian Vegemite. It's all relative. So I have a paradigm about tripe. I cannot stand tripe. I don't want to even smell it, eat it, see it, get it away from me. That's my paradigm. These paradigms, these bundles of thoughts and beliefs come from certainly since our childhood, as Bob Proctor teaches this. So this is not my ideas. I'm, I'm passing through knowledge from Bob Proctor. And when we're born, Michael, you'd know this. Your viewers would know this when we're young babies, our conscious mind is just an open open vessel for everything that goes into it. We don't have any any capacity to filter out what's coming in. Now, between the ages of zero and two, so the day you're born up until the age of about two is the is the most impressionable years. No filter, everything that's in your environment goes in. Now, if you're in an environment where you're in a, a family where there's a dad and a mum, and the dad dad drinks a lot and and gets violent and throws things around the house and bashes the, the mother, and you're just seeing. This is all going into that subconscious and stored memories, and so these bundles of memories in the subconscious can and do continue there, and can come up in adult life, and you've got and, and you've got no control over it, and so. The subconscious is something that's very relevant when somebody is, I mean, the, there's a question, Michael, that's asked, why doesn't the law of attraction work for some people? I happen to, I don't just believe in the law of attraction, I know the law of attraction works because I use it. Uh, uh, so there's believing and then there's knowing. The uh, law of attraction works, but it works positively and negatively negatively. Goes back to Dr. Norman Vincent Peale. Negative beliefs, attitudes, negative outcomes. Positive, positive outcomes. The law of attraction and what's what's involved and behind the law of attraction is impartial. It, it has no. It, it, it's it's objective. There's no subjectivity about. Oh, you shouldn't really be thinking about a new car. Uh, that's a positive, you shouldn't really be thinking about going and having a drink, Like You shouldn't be thinking about that. If I keep thinking about having another drink, of, I haven't touched a drink of alcohol since 2009, but if I were to start thinking about it, there's no part of the law of attraction and what's behind the law of attraction that's going to correct me, that my belief. But why doesn't the law of attraction work for those who are committed to it and want it to work? And they read all the books, they listen to Bob Proctor, they listen to Dr. Joe Vitale, you know, they uh, they listen to Abraham and and all the rest of it. Paradigms, subconscious. Dr. Joe Vitale's got a great book, book, series of books actually, on this about how you can clean and clear some of these uh, non-serving paradigms in the subconscious mind. And that's a very important thing. Zero Point is a book that Dr. Joe Vitali has written. One of the books he's written on Ho'oponopono, which is an ancient Chinese, Chinese, ancient um, Hawaiian um, uh, mantra. uh, Call it a prayer if you like. And uh, it's simple. I'll give it to you. It's four sentences, if I may. Four short sentences. Ho'oponopono. Look it up. Here it is. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. Now, any one of those will work if you just keep repeating them. I love you would be one that you could just forget about the rest, and you could just repeat that over and over. and over. I forgive you. I'm sorry. I'll let you do your own research on Ho'oponopono, the ancient Hawaiian mantra ritual, cleansing, healing. Dr. Joe Vitali zero point.
0: Great. So... Onto that, that brings us nicely over to manifestation and the law of attraction. Um, Now, you've already gone into it. Um, And when did you start um, when did you start realising that? Well, when did law of attraction really come into your life? Um, When did manifestation start? um, When did you start going down that track of um, the law of attraction and manifestation and manifesting your life to where you want it to be and how you want it to to, to plan out? Good. I
1: understand the question. I was not I was an ineffective and inefficient seeker of using the law of attraction since the 1980s. And I'll, I can tell you the book that I first read. In fact, it's on the shelf behind me. I won't go and get it because I'm plugged in, but uh, Louise Hay, You Can Heal Your Life. Now, I read that book from a social worker, service provider perspective because I was looking for angles and <clears throat> insights and things like that. That's the, that's the first real – so the first book I read so – this is interesting. I was a very, very naughty boy when I was young. I was a bad student. Um, who, who hated authority. So if you, me, if you told me to do that, I wouldn't do it. But if you told me to do that, I'd go and do that. So that was me. And so I, 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 I would, um, you know, I took shortcuts right through up to our equivalent in Australia, year 12. I don't know what that is in, in England or in America, but year 12. And uh, I, never fi- I never read a book right through. All, all through school. So when when we'd be assigned to write a book, I'd just read the summary or the the, the flick through the chapters and get the gist and write an essay or soon enough to pass. Always cutting corners. The first book I actually read from cover to cover was The Power of Positive Thinking by Norman Vincent, Dr. Norman Vincent Peale, and I was twenty-one. The one after that was, um, and that that book kind of leans into the Law of Attraction, although. It's more from a religious, there's a quite heavily religious slant because Dr. Norman Vincent Peale was a man of the cloth. And, and, you know, look, when you go to a buffet or a smorgasbord, you don't eat every dish on the bloody tray. You take what you want and you leave some of it. So you read something like Dr. Norman Vincent Peale's um, Power of Positive Thinking. And when there's references to the Bible or verses from if it's not for you, you just skip past it and, and keep looking for the parts. You only need one good idea from a book. Most people, research says that most people don't get past the first chapter of a book they read. I mean, Michael, have you ever have you ever bought a book and not finished it?
0: <laughs> yeah, but, um, about 90% of them downstairs. <laughs> How did I know that?
1: Because... Uh, most people are the same. so you know you, you're not even going to, if you're going to start reading a book you're not even going to get all the way through it if you could try and read every word on every page on every chapter of every so flick through a book and and I actually learned this from um, oh, I can't remember his name but he was the, the guy that wrote um, he's the inventor of mind mapping. Uh, somebody will know his name but just it's just not there at the moment. He's got lots of books on it back in the 80s and 90s and he also wrote a book on how to speed read not this not not the photographic speed reading where you're letting your subconscious mind do the reading and you're gazing at a page not that but but his his strategy was i've done this and it's helped me get through books is you determine first of all what is it you want what is it you most want to get out of the book what what's a key word that you'd want to get out of a book so law of attraction might be if you're reading a Law of Attraction book, the key word you're looking for might be manifestation, right? So you, you, you read all the contents of the book in the start. You read every word of the contents. You read the front cover of the book. I'll give you the actual, the, the full lesson. You read the front cover of the book word for word. You read the back cover of the book word for word. You read the contents word for word. You scan through the introduction. Then you do one scan through of the whole book, reading only the chapter headings and any of the subheadings in the book. Now, that in itself would be enough, can be enough to give you enough insight to get one idea. But he says he suggests you do it three times, not all in one day. And the second time you look at these headings, the chapter headings as you're flicking through each page, a new chapter. Subheadings, they're normally bold in most books, particularly non-fiction books, which is the, big, the book sign. Uh, this, this doesn't relate to novels, obviously. Uh, this is non-fiction books we're referring to, as you're, as you're aware, Michael. You flip through, you're looking at the subheadings, but you've also got your peripheral vision looking for the word manifestation. And, when, and, and you, you can train your mind to, to focus, and you'll find it. It'll pop out at you. And when you see it, you just read the sentence before it, you read the sentence with manifestation in it, and you read the sentence after it, and then you keep flicking. And you do that two or three times, and you will have read the book, and you, you only need one good idea. The mistake that I've made in the past, and maybe you've made, Michael, and maybe one or two of your viewers, is you pick up a, a non-fiction book and you treat it like you've got to read every word on every page and, and absorb the whole message, most of it's fluff and filler anyway, uh, and it, it kills you. No wonder we don't get past Chapter 1. We, it's just too freaking hard. So uh, this uh, is, a, is a strategy that I suggest, and I can't remember how we got onto that. Can you pull me back on point?
0: no 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 it's fine it's fine don't worry about it um All right. i actually don't know how we got into that myself but that, that's really interesting um and it's probably a strategy that i will probably use myself uh because I, like i said 90 percent of my books downstairs i i haven't read i haven't got time to read yeah um who has got time to read? If you're a if you're a creator, if you're a business owner, if you're inside, if you're working inside your business as well, who has got time to read book after book after book? I don't think anybody is. So that's a great strategy that you just give away to, to us, um, and one that I will definitely, definitely use. Um, and you're right, a lot of books do fluff um, and fill in the content dramatically to make it obviously a lot more substantial, a lot bigger. Um, One of them being The Secret, um, which is an extremely powerful book, um, an extremely powerful film or whatever it was. Uh, I think it were a film on it. Yeah. Um, And it's extremely powerful but you'll notice that around about 50% of the book is just repeated words in a different, in a different manner, in a different way. Um, I, I I would probably say it's probably more than 50%, but, and doing what you just explained to do would speed up the process dramatically and you would get, you'd probably get two or three great ideas out of that book. From just doing that
1: yeah um, well that book um, so written by Rhonda Byrne and she also produced the movie the secret came out in 2006 Rhonda Byrne a fellow Australian actually from my state and <clears throat> she based that book she based the book the secret on a book that her daughter gave her the science of getting rich by Wallace D wattles one of my favorite books that I like to recommend So much so, now talk about reading and not reading. I mean, I have read that book cover to cover, Lost Count, and I also have it on Audible, but you can also find the narrated version on YouTube and not pay a cent. There's multiple versions of it. And actually listening to Audible, now some people prefer to read, some people prefer to listen. Um, I have an Audible account. Do you have an Audible account, Michael? Yes. I do, yes. Yeah, so I'm getting at least one book a month, sometimes more. And uh, I listen to my audible books at night more than not uh, when I go to bed. Uh, and I don't worry that I fall asleep listening to a book because I know the subconscious is hearing it while while I'm drifting off to sleep. And I set a timer. I normally set a 60-minute timer so it's not going all night. But um, Rhonda Byrne, The Secret, The Science of Getting Rich, Wallace D. Wattles, If, may I speak directly to the viewer, viewers, if you have not yet read The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace D. Wattles, drop everything, turn off the stove, turn off the kettle, stop talking to the fat, go and get a copy, go and get a copy and read it because it is potentially life changing. It changed my life. I'll tell you what, The Science of Getting Rich, the book, was part of my therapy at the very early stages of of treatment for depression and and addiction. Now, you might think, well, how in the heck is the science of getting rich going to help somebody get their feet back on the ground and come back from depression and, and, and alcohol addiction and the rest of it? I substituted. Talk about a dream, Michael. Talk about having a mission and a purpose. My dream was that I would be... Happy and healthy again. That was it. I mean, without, without even forget your happiness, if you're not healthy, you're dead. What's the point? There's nothing left. You're not alive. You've got to be healthy. And I didn't have health and I wanted health so I could continue because I didn't want to die. I was suicidal. Tried multiple times, hospitalized for it. I didn't really want to die. I just wanted the pain to go away. So I substituted rich, the science of getting rich for happy, healthy, my mission, not to use alcohol or drugs anymore, overcome depression. That's what rich meant to me. So I substituted that. So um, I got a free version of the book, uh, which I can't remember where I got it from, but um, I've actually got it. It's, it's, it's open source, uh, so there's no copyright on it, the guy, Mike DeWitts. Actually, you can search Mike DeWitts, Signs of Getting Rich. I think it's the best, in my opinion, the best narrated version of the Signs of Getting Rich, Mike DeWitts, and uh, you'll find that, I think, on YouTube, but I've actually got it published somewhere uh, on, my, on a blog of mine which can be accessed, and it's also accessible on archive.org. You'll find it there, which is which is where everything that's ever been published on the internet is stored. Believe it or not, I read that book. The science, how, I, like, is it in here? You bet you. Can I quote you a little bit of it? All right, let me. There is a thinking. There is a thinking stuff from which all things are made, and which. There is a thinking stuff from which all things are made, and which, in its original state, permeates, penetrates and fills the interspaces of the universe. A thought in this substance produces the thing that is imaged by the thought. Man or mankind, man and woman, man can form things in his thought. And by impressing his thought on the thinking stuff, we could call it God, we could call it the universe, you can call it Buddha, you can call it what you like, call it a gum tree. It doesn't matter. The name you give it doesn't matter, doesn't change it. We can impress our thoughts upon this thinking stuff and cause the things we think about to be created. This is in line with manifestation. Now, does that mean that all I had to do, or or, let's take it off me, let's say one of our viewers right now has a goal to manifest a new car. Let's just say that, right, very materialistic. But, hey, there's nothing wrong with wanting a new car. You want a new car? You damn well go for it. You want a new house? Do not let anybody tell you that you're not entitled to a new house. You go for it. Somebody's got the goal of a, to, to manifest a new car. So they listen to Mike Searles talking to Michael and, and Michael Ellison. They, they, they think, ah, oh, righto. So this dude thinks all I've got to do is just think of a new red Porsche and I'll go to bed tonight and tomorrow morning it'll be in the driveway. Well, no. It will not happen like that. That's not what manifestation is about. The critics and the sceptics, bless their cotton socks, they like to disparage us people who believe in the law of attraction that way. They say that, that we believe that you just think something into reality. It doesn't, it's, that's not what we think at all. That's not how it works. So what action do you need to take? What action would, what action would somebody have to take in order to manifest a new red Porsche or blue Porsche or whatever colour. Well, there's a lot of things that, that might need it. depends. Maybe the person's got no broken, is broken and has no money and, and has no inheritance coming and they're, they're no relatives. So, where's the money going to come from? Well, we don't know. We don't even know where the car's going to come from. Maybe the car will come without any money. Oh, how can a car come from out? That's crazy. You've got to have money to buy a car. Well, no, you don't. Have you not ever heard of somebody winning a car from a competition? I mean, that's just an extreme example. You've got to think in terms of broad possibilities and stop limiting your ideas to what you believe is the only way it's possible. And so here's the, this is coming back to something I remember we were talking about, Michael, the question people ask is, why doesn't the law of attraction work for me? I've, I've read the books. I, I'm doing what it's. I'm doing the work, I'm taking the action, I've gone to the car yard, I've sat in the car, I've felt the leather, I've smelt the new car, I've taken it for a test drive, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. It's, it's just not happening. How long have you been? How long have you had your law of attraction goal in plan? I've had it three weeks now. Well, maybe you need four weeks or four years. Be patient for it will not be late. It will come. It will not be late. The other thing is, the other thing, Michael, is what we talked about earlier, these paradigms in the subconscious, these belief blockers. Uh, Dr. Joe Vitale refers to these as intention blockers. So we set a positive intention to get a a new car and we do all of the right things, but it's just not happening and we start to lose a sense of this is going to happen for me. We start to lose confidence these are intention blockers or belief blockers that are in the paradigms that may have been maybe maybe have had it maybe somebody's been brought up where they've been brought up in a home environment that was all about limit uh, lack and limitation uh we don't have enough money for that uh, only only the rich people can do that etc cetera, etc cetera. and so there's been this conditioning slow conditioning and so as an adult we start living subconsciously not our fault, from a space of limit, lack and limitation. And these subconscious limiting beliefs can block the positive intention and the positiveness and the attraction of the energy that will bring manifestation of what you want to you. But here, I'm going to quote Bob Proctor here. And if there was one thing that anybody during this conversation with us, Michael, could really take a note of, it's this. You really, really can have what you want. You really can. It doesn't have to be a material thing. It could be like me. I wanted my health, my mental health and my physical health restored. That, was, that to me, no money in the world could put a price on that. That's what I wanted, that's what I've got today. I write every morning, I write my goals, my mission statement and my gratitudes. And one of my gratitudes is, I am so happy and grateful that I'm alive today. And I don't just write that down as, it's it's not just ink coming from the pen going on paper, it's not just an intellectual thing, this is coming from deep from within me, the emotion. Did you know, I heard someone saying, I love it. What is a thought? For example, Earl Nightingale says in The Stranger's Secret, he recorded that in 1957. It's still listened to by millions of people every day on YouTube. Go and listen to it. 31 minutes, life-changing. The Stranger's Secret, Earl Nightingale. He says, we become what we think about. Uh, Prentice Mulford wrote a book by the title Thoughts Are Things. He wrote that 100 years ago. Uh, Napoleon Hill wrote in, in um, *Think and Grow Rich*: "Whatever the mind can conceive and believe, it can achieve." Thoughts are things, such powerful things that we become what we think about. So, where do I get to? Yeah. So, a thought without emotion. Like, have you heard of? Have you heard of stating? Have you heard anybody suggest, Michael, that we should state our, our affirmations in the mirror? To ourselves in the morning
0: yeah My,
1: exactly. yeah, it's never come easy to me uh, particularly the one <laughs> where you have to look particularly the one you have to look yourself in the eye and say i love you well i just couldn't do it once upon a time i can now i don't mean that in any egotistical way i love not who i am but what i am because i know what i am today and i won't go down that path but um, it's a spiritual i mean i have a spiritual basis to who i am today um, affirmations so you may hear if you read some ap- books on affirmations look do the mirror technique louise hay actually talked about the mirror technique in her one of her books look at yourself in the mirror and repeat your affirmation now it starts off as just a pure ex- intellectual exercise I am so happy and grateful now that money comes to me in increasing quantities through multiple sources on a continuous basis. Okay, where's the coffee? All right, it's just an intellectual thing. There's nothing to it. And then you keep doing it. I am so happy and grateful now that money comes to me in increasing quantities through multiple sources on a continuous basis. Week or, or shall we say month two after doing it every day. Here's what happens. I am so happy and grateful now that money comes to me in increasing quantities through multiple sources on a continuous basis. Now, can you see, did you sense any difference in the way I delivered that? In the latter latter one, there was emotion involved in it. This This is why affirmations don't work for some people because it's just an intellectual parroting of words. There's no meaning or emotion to it. What is emotion? Emotion is thought in motion. It's an inter- it's an interesting concept. Emotion is thought in motion throughout the body. Oh my, rubbish. Oh no, look it up. Look it up, look up the neuroscience of what happens when we have a thought. We have uh, neurochemicals that are fired depending on certain thoughts. And there's also peptides and hormones that are generated all in the beautiful way it's designed. Thoughts become things, powerful things. Thoughts are things, such powerful things, we become what we think about. Earl Nightingale had it right before we were even born in 1957. I was born in 58. I might have been a little bit of an idea in my dad's mind at that time. But anyway, (laughs) thoughts are things, powerful things, and we become what we think about. When you're using your affirmations, Put feeling into it. I'll give you a quick story, Mike. Have we got time, Michael? Have we got time?
0: Yeah, of course we've got time. We've got
1: time. Righto. So here's here's how it was put to me. There's the story of a guy, shall we say, my age. No, we'll make, we'll make it Michael, your age. A guy your age, he's at a birthday. It's your birthday, and you've got family and friends at your house for your birthday party, and it's kicking along. Everyone's having a great time. And you get handed a, a gift. It's a card. Happy birthday, Michael. Terrific. Thank you. Oh, hang on. There's a scratchy inside. Now, in Australia, we call them scratchy. I don't know what you call them in England or in America, but they're little they're cards that you scratch off numbers and you may win a big prize.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There's a scratchy in it. Oh. Hey, you've got a scratchy. Scratch this guy, you. Scratch the card. You take another look. You show somebody, all of a sudden, your palms start getting sweaty, your heart starts beating fast, and you start spending the million dollars you've just won in your head. You've just won a million dollars. Oh, everybody, everybody goes crazy. Pop the champagne now. Let's not wait. And you start you start going around the house behaving like you've never behaved before because you've just won a million dollars right? High emotion. In your mind, you've just become an instant millionaire. It says it there. And then the person who gave you the card with the scratchy says, Michael, Michael, we better just bring you back down to earth. It's a gag. You know these scratchy cards, right? All of a sudden, all of a sudden, your emotion comes down. You have a giggle, giggle about it afterwards, but for the time being, so... What was it in somebody at that moment when they believed that they'd won a million dollars? What went through from the mind to the body to elevate the mood, the excitement, the belief in your mind you start already spending? How are you going to spend a million dollars? The thing is, It was in the mind as a thought. It became an emotion, thought in motion through the body, and you reacted in an excited way. That's what we need to do with them, our affirmations. If we're just reciting them into the mirror or if you're not using the mirror technique, if you wake up in the morning, oh, the book said I've got to do my affirmations upon awakening and before I go to bed, oh, I'm in a hurry. All right. All right, then. Hang on a minute. I'm so happy and grateful now that money comes to me in increasing quantities through multiple sources on a continuous basis. All right, I'm done. Right, waste of time, forget about it. You're wasting your own time. But you don't have to do the mirror te- technique, but give yourself a moment and get the feeling. How does it feel? Neville Goddard. If you haven't heard the name of Neville Goddard, get familiar with it. You're now long past but he's also got a ton of YouTube videos. You can find them, and they're everywhere. Look up Neville Goddard, "Living in the End." So there's a lot of not there's a lot of Neville Goddard YouTube videos, MP3s, books. But the one to to listen to is "Living in the End," and what he means by that is don't live too don't live as if you're going towards your mission, your dream, your goal. Live as if you're coming from it, not to it, you're coming from it. You're living in that end space where it's already happened and get the emotions going. Now, I can see that it's, a, it's an hour and I'm not sure what your time frame's like, Michael, and I told you, I've warned you how I can prattle on, so I'll, um, I'll give the director's cut, you know, the wind-up. I'm in your hands again.
0: No, it's fine. It's fine. Um, it's always a pleasure talking to you, mate. I mean, the last time we did it, the unreleased episode, um, it it was a pleasure talking to you then, and that's the reason why I've got you back on because it, it, it you're a fascinating, you're you are fascinating, and you're a, a treasure trove of experiences, knowledge, and um and books i mean you've got a love for books so no there's one question that I, I really did want to ask you and um, we obviously know that the, the science of game which is your all-time favorite book the one that you've read cover to cover many times and you could probably recite many many quotes out of it um but i should imagine you're a man that has had a favorite book or a book that you've um, related to in all areas or different areas of, of your life. So obviously not whilst you were growing up because you didn't have, uh, well, you, you wasn't a big reader back then, but from that point on, at which stages of what life, what did you find great meaning inside books? And which books?
1: Wow, that's a great question. And by the way, thank you for your uh, kind words. I really do appreciate it. And it's a pleasure talking with you again too, Michael. You know what comes to mind straight away is the Alcoholics Anonymous book, the big book. Now, most people may not know that there is a book that Alcoholics Anonymous use as a guide, I suppose, And I would suggest that it's not a book that has to be restricted to someone who may be alcoholic or is alcoholic or someone who has a relative or a close friend who's an alcoholic. I want to suggest that there's parts in that book that anybody can read and take from and learn from, unrelated to alcoholism or addiction or mental health, even for that matter. Like what I said earlier, you go to a smorgasbord or a buffet, you don't go and take everything that's on there that's available. You choose what you like and what you want and you leave the rest. So the big book is is the, literally the title of the AA book. I read that, uh, well, my first AA meeting was in 1989 when I was age 31 and even then I was being told, uh, so I'm a slow learner. Even then I was being told, <laughs> being told to stop drinking and um, and almost lost a very good job I had at the time and I did end up losing it so anyway the big book um, you know I wanted I want to mention a non fiction book only because I want to balance it um, now there's there's a, a, a humorous book written by uh, a pseudonym the name is Nino Colotta the the actual author's name John O'Grady an Australian guy now since passed. and the book is they're a weird mob now it's got nothing to do with that mob as in the mafia it's the it's totally it's totally fiction but based on real characters as a lot of humor and comedy is I've actually done stand-up comedy you mentioned about the things I've done I've actually done stand-up comedy um, and I've hosted a comedy room in Melbourne and and I've written comedy and i performed comedy. So a lot of comedy is based on, you know, particularly writers who are writing comedy, write comedy from personal experience. So the characters that they design are actually characters in real life. So John O'Grady wrote this book, They're a Weird mob, and it's, there's a central character who is this dude from um, Italy who comes to Sydney, Australia, and gets work as a bricklayer or a labourer on a building site. And it's just how this, this uh, Nino Colotta is his, is his name, um, Nino is his name, and how he adapts or doesn't adapt to Australian culture in the 1960s, very different culture than what it is today. And so if anybody likes to read novels and, and, and uh, fiction and is into a bit of humour and wants to have a, um, a fart and a giggle, this, this is a book I would, I would recommend. And especially if you're curious about the old Australian culture of when I was born and what, what the, the culture I grew up in, uh, have a read of that book. Now, pertinent to the question, Michael, you're more, you're, the sharp end of your question was, a, I think, is there one book that was a turning point or, or a, a real feature? Was that the question?
0: Yeah, different stages in your life, but.
1: Yeah. Well... The books I read back when I was, uh, back in the 80s and the 90s, um, so almost almost everybody who ends up seeing a social worker for personal reasons, not financial problems or whatever, but personal development reasons has an issue with self-image. It's just across the board. That's why self-image psychology is, is such a thing. And if you're going to read a pop psychology book, read Psycho-Cybernetics by Dr. Maxwell Maltz. Very interesting. Dr. Maxwell Maltz also passed. He was a plastic surgeon. Nothing to do with self-image psychology. What? Everything to do with self-image psychology because people came to him. He was a cosmetic surgeon, so he would make faces look better than what they were born. Uh, Nose jobs, ear jobs, skin, things like that. And he would, notice, he would notice how somebody's self-esteem would improve because the molecules and the structure of the face had been rearranged. And he became, and he became quite intrigued by the psychology behind it. And so he actually wrote this book, Psycho-Cybernetics, which has the premise that um, actually the premise of it is forget the nose job, get a mindset job, much better for you and cheaper. So uh, that, was, that, was, uh, a, that was a turning, turning book. Again, I was a slow learner because I read that in the 1980s because I had self-image, self-image issues as well. Uh, did I say had? I still do have them. We do have them. You know, I've taken the word, I've taken uh, hot or cold, the middle word or, I've removed that from my lexicon. From now on, there's no up or down, in or out, hot or cold, good or bad. I've replaced the or with the word and. Now, this is quite powerful. It's a powerful concept. There's hot and and
0: cold.
1: Yeah. What's that?
0: I said love our love.
1: Yes. Yes. So there's hot and cold. There's up and down. It's not either or. It's not an either or world we live in. So I'll, back to the question that you asked earlier, does self, uh, c- can someone always be po- positive? No, positive and negative. That's what life is. There's, there's good and there's bad. Although, um, what was his name? Okay, his name escapes me, but a psychologist over 100 years ago said, no, it wasn't a psychologist, it was Shakespeare who said that, uh, wrote in um, uh, one of his books, uh, uh, there is no such thing as good or bad, but thinking makes it so. It's an interesting concept. So anyway, I've replaced or, and it's a good concept because when when we live from that position of or, you're either good or you're bad, you're either with me or you're against me, you set yourself up for living a a polar life one way or the other. And when you live a polarised life, you you end up pushing the other side right away. And that that is not always a good thing. Not easy either, by the way. Bloody hard, in fact, to to live an and life instead of an or life. But it's worth the effort, I found.
0: So that takes you late 1980s, early 1990s. what other books have had a profound impact on you throughout your life?
1: All right, so let me think. To more recently, then, the science of getting rich by Wallace D. Waddles We mentioned the big book, uh, the IA book. More recently than last last uh, twenty years. See, when I saw a I saw a young I saw somebody's a, a coach, a life coach, with a website. Look, I'm going to apologise in advance. If you're 20 years old, right, this is not going to be nice to your ears. A life coach at 20, nice website, uh, proudly, and I think, great on him, good on him, uh, started his internet business at the age of 10. Great, been successful at it, but 2020. The year two thousand to me is like yesterday, but maybe that's also sure. because I'm sixty-two, almost sixty-three. But um, anything by Joe, Dr. Joe Vitali, uh, if you're if you're in the business side of things, so let's just forget the metaphysical, esoteric type material. If if you want to learn how to write persuasively, so let's just say you're a business person who's writing your own. Uh, uh, emails, copy. yeah, copy, writing your own copy, get Dr. Joe Vitale's book, Hypnotic Writing. I highly recommend it. And I'm not the only one who, re- although it's one of the least mentioned books because he doesn't, he's not part of the copywriting set, right? He's not part of the niche. He's not part of the click. And there is a click. If you haven't worked it out yet, there's a click. Um, more power to them. Uh, so, Dr. Joe Vit. Dr. J- now, Joseph Sugarman, who who wrote the ad, uh, the Newsweek ad word book, gives. There's only one copywriter he mentions in his index of re- uh, source index in the back of that book. It's Dr. Joe Vitale. He mentions three times. There's no other copywriter he references three times in the index of his bibliography, and that's saying something. Dr. Joe, uh, not Dr. Uh, Joseph Sugarman, one of the great. Um, copywriters and admin of last century. Uh, more recently. Well, I tell you, there's a book I'm reading right now on Audible. A fellow Brit. Uh, you might even know of him, Steve Sims. Do you know of him? I do not know. Put him on your invite list, put him on your Christmas card list, put him on your must-have-a-look at list. Steve Sims was his book is um uh Blue Fisher and it's on Audible and uh Steve Sims is a Brit who lives in America and he's the guy who can do, who can do anything you want that's his positioning statement if you want it if you want it done I'll get it done for you and so what does that mean well I mean I don't mean – so his clients are the rich and the wealthy, and he uh, so some he had a client that wanted a, a, a really nice dinner organised. Not so what did you, did you think of a five-star restaurant? No, no. Steve Sims organised to have a dinner table set at the foot of the Statue of David in Italy and had um, oh, a famous opera singer who's unreachable come and sing, serenade at the table for six guests. So he's the guy that does that, Steve Sims. He's written a book called Blue Fisher. It was published only in 2018, so it's only relatively new. That book's got some very good, positive, motivational ideas in it, and basically his message is, if I maybe use a little bit of language, don't mean to offend anybody, but get off your fat ass. If you want to do something, get off your ass and do it. Because there's nothing stopping you. The thing that's stopping you is between your ears. Stop limiting your own beliefs in what you can do. That's a Steve Sims message. Apologies. apologies. Yes, apologies if I've offended
0: anybody. No, but that, that message is completely true. Yeah. The only thing that does stop us is what's in between this, what's inside there. Yeah, um, I've got a ton of
1: I've got a ton of books. Most of my books are home in Australia in storage. But pardon me if I just turn around. There'll be a title here. Yeah, Joseph Sugarman, uh, turn your words uh, into money. Um, Not Joe, no, that's, um, I can't think, but it's staring me in the face. Excuse my back. Oh, now that is a good book. Uh, all right, Doctor Doctor uh, Joe Dispenza, breaking the habit of being you. That's just there behind me. I read that just a few years ago, so I've actually got the hard. This is what I do: is I buy the audible book first, Michael, and if I really get into it, I'll buy the hard copy, and I because I want to. Um, I want to deliver the message through different senses so that it becomes internalised. So in through the ears, in through the eyes, and
0: uh, I do a very similar. I do a very similar system. You so, do? Um, yeah, I generally do. So generally, um, if I've heard of a book, I'll go. I'll go listen to a summary on um, YouTube or something like that, or read a summary, summary online somewhere you'll generally find them for nearly every single book that is out there. Um, then I'll either buy it or I will um, buy it on, or I'll get it on Audible and listen to it, then I'll generally buy it. So i go through multiple stages of, uh, of of reading books, and that's the reason why I've got nine percent of them downstairs that I haven't read, because... Um, because I read the summary, and I bought that, started reading it, and gone, you know what? I ain't got time to read it all. Let's put it down. Um, but I've, I've already taken some main points out of the book anyway because I've read the summary. Um, and you only need one. You only need yeah, one. And you only need one. And you only need one. But I, need I, do one. The same. I do the same film. I do the same thing. That's, that's how I... Um, read the great books that I want to read um, and how I take it all pretty much a lot of it in because I, I, will, I will read the summary I will or I'll listen to the summary um, I will listen to it and I will also read it so like, just like I said the, the different senses
1: It works well, it may not work for everybody but it works for you and me I do have a suggestion and this is for our fellow viewers and listeners who have an Audible account. And this is the shortcut method. I told you before I do, I have a history of taking shortcuts. Here's a shortcut. There's a, there's a, there's a title on Audible. And I'm, I may just look away from the screen while I check his name. But uh, in fact, excuse me, just take me a minute. Let me just do it quickly. because I want to give you the, the correct name of the... Yeah, there it is, so uh, come back to you again. Yeah. So the author is Tom Butler Bowden, a hyphenated name. Now, the name Bowden should be familiar to a Brit, and he is actually the son of Camilla uh, Bowden, who married Prince Charles. Mm-hmm. And he writes authors and has done for... I think about 20 years now, a series of books called The 50 Classics. And so, for example, he will read the classics in a genre, let's say self-help, and then he'll publish 50 classic self-help titles and he reviews the top 50. And so there's, and there's a reason I'm telling you this, there's 50 self-help classics, 50 prosperity classics, and 50 success classics classics. Now, all those three titles, so that's 150 books reviewed on one Audible download. It's one program. So, if you've got a monthly subscription like we do, I think to buy the actual book is 60 or 70 or $80 if you're not a member. But if you're a member, and I, I sometimes look at the high value. I, I like to go to uh, Nightingale Conant and buy the Audible books there. Because they're the, the libraries. The libraries. $80 worth, right? Earl Nightingale yeah. Library and, and, and um, Jim Rohn Library. Jim Rohn,
0: yeah.
1: Great value, right? You with me? So hop onto Audible and check Tom Butler Bowden or just search 50 classics and look for the trilogy 50 self help classics, 50 success classics, 50 prosperity classics, over 20 hours of listening and knock yourself out talk about taking a shortcut, 150 classic books across three genres, summarised, read by Tom and summarised beautifully, he writes beautifully, bingo, bango, put your glasses down, game over.
0: Well, I'm now I've got 20 hours of listening to do. <laughs> that's going to keep me busy for some time. Um, but no, that's, uh, that's, that, that's a that's a, that's great find that you've found at some point, um, but yeah, that's that's another one for for the listeners on if the libraries, um, the ultimate libraries by is it it's Nightingale, um, Nightingale. What what's that last, last word yeah.
1: So that it's Nightingale Conan, Conant C O N A N T, and the story to that is that. Uh, Earl Nightingale, that's the Nightingale, Earl Nightingale, the guy I referenced earlier who voice recorded The Strangest Secret in 1957, compulsory listening, uh, and Vic Conant, who's now passed on as well. His son now runs Nightingale-Conant. Vic Conant. Uh, now, it was Vic Conant of Con- uh, Nightingale-Conant who gave Bob Proctor a copy of the first copy of Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill's book back in 1961. Now, up until that point, Bob Proctor had, he'll tell you, you, you may already know Bob Proctor's story and he tells his own story, so I'm not gonna cut his lunch, but um, he, he was living a messed up life. He wasn't going anywhere, he's in debt. And Vic Conant gave him a copy of Napoleon Hill and. Bob Proctor has studied that book, he says, and I believe him, every day, almost every day, since 1961. I told you the guy's a dinosaur. He's 85. I hope he he lives to be 125. I I don't look forward to that day when I wake up and hear that Bob Proctor is no longer with us. But um, he's still with us. He's still very active. He said he he feels... Hey, let me tell you, with what I've been through, I should look like I'm 185. Here's the miracle. Like you, want, you want proof of the law of attraction working. I, look at me. I'm, I'm your living proof. I had a medical checkup here. I'm in the Philippines with my wife and my family. I'm Australian, but I'm living in, in the Philippines, married to a Filipino, and we have a daughter here. And uh, I went for a medical checkup with a doctor here about um, 18 months ago. And uh, so the full checkup, when you have a medical checkup, you get the full work done, right? And there's ultrasound and, and full bloods and all the rest of it. And he said, I came back for the results. He said, he said, so let me just check. So you'll see at that time I was 60. You're 60. Yeah. He said, well, you've got the health, the body, the physical health of a 40 year old. Really? Yeah. Your heart, your lungs, your, your, your liver, everything is how we would expect to see the indices, the, the, the results of the test, more like a 40-year-old. Now, do you remember I told you how sick and sad and broke I was in 2009? I I put my – I mean, i got scars on my body from how I've mistreated my body and my health over the years. Forget the mental scars, the physical scars, you know, That's the law of attraction. Now, I've worked on that. Did I just go to bed one night and, it'd be nice if I was healthy. I hope I can wake up healthy in the morning. That'd be nice. No. Oh. I've I've cried tears uh, wishing and hoping and praying and affirming that I wouldn't pick up another drink, that I wouldn't pick up another drug, that I'd remain sober, clean and sober, My first, if I can quickly tell you, this, my, one of my, early in the, in the piece going to Alcoholics Anonymous meetings, three weeks without a drink. I was a piss bot, right? I loved getting drunk. Three weeks without a drink. And I was doing it tough. And this young guy, young, about the same age as me, there's all ages in AA, he stands up, and, and at an AA meeting, you, you, you're invited to stand up and give a testimonial. Some people, which means they tell the story of what it was like before they um, got sober, how they got sober, and what life's like now they're sober. That's the that's how a story a testimonial goes. He stood up. He said, "Well, hi, my name's Bob. I'm an alcoholic. That's how every every meeting, every testimonial starts. And it's nine months today since I've had a drink." Now, I'd heard other guys stand up and say nine years, five years, 15 years, and it didn't, nothing really clicked. He said nine months, but he hadn't had a drink. And I froze, and I, I tell you, I thought, I can't do it. I, I can't get to nine months. I, I've struggled to get to three weeks. I don't know how I'm going to get to nine months. I can't imagine myself going nine months without a drink. And here I am now, 2009, to, in, in, in another two months, March 2021, it'll be 12 years, is it? You know, if I make my maths right, doesn't matter. Data time is the more important thing. This is the thing, Michael, for somebody who's ever been addicted, right, they'll understand this if they come through, it, particularly if they've gone through any of the 12-step programs, AA, NA, whatever. It's just for today that we worry about. If we see, if I had have, if I if I had have kept my focus on nine months or nine years, I wouldn't have lasted. I couldn't have done it. I could not comprehend the 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 scope of that intention working out. And this goes for anybody who has a mission, a dream as you called it, a mission, a purpose, the red Porsche the new house, the job, the relationship to get back together again and mend, the health, the finances. I'm coaching somebody at the moment who last year was wiped out more than a quarter of a million dollars by a con man, cleaned her out. She's having trouble getting her mindset right to to bounce back, to come back from that. How do you come back from that? I'm working with another person at the moment, a doctor, who devastated because of a relationship breakdown, having trouble to function. If you set your mind on the long-term goal and just think of the massiveness of it, and that's the only thing, you've got to have a long-term picture, but you chunk it down to a day-by-day thing. Day-by-day, in every way, I'm getting better and better. Inch by inch, and it's a cinch. I can do anything today That if I had to think of doing it for a week or a month or a year to just kill me. So that's a bit of advice, Michael, that comes to mind through serendipity, really, just by prattling on, and and I believe through divine. So the idea is coming through me, not from me. But I think there's somebody who's going to watch this or is watching it right now, maybe watching the recording if there is a recording. Uh, This will make sense to them that there's some kind of a goal, a mission, a dream, that at the moment it seems impossible. It's just too big. Chunk it down, what can be done on a day-by-day basis. Here it is for me. I know that tonight I'll go, I'll put my head on the pillow tonight and I'll be sober, clean and sober. I, I just know it. Well, it's not far off bedtime here. So I just know that's going to happen. And I know that I'll wake up in the same way. And that's all I count on every day. Wake up sober. Go to bed, sober.
0: Job done. There's something in that. There is something massively in that that can be taken not just for uh, addicts, but for everybody in, like I said, going for a mission, going for a goal, going for a target, going for a dream, uh, whatever you want to call it, like if you if you focus too much on 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 the big goal that's far in the distance, the overwhelm is going to consume you, and you're not going to get there. You might get there, and you would you you might get there, but you're not going to get there as fast. Um, you're not going to get there as fast if you're not concentrating on the present. Not focusing your efforts on the present and taking the small little steps and the small little actions that you need to do every day to align with the bigger picture.
1: I uh, couldn't agree more. Well said. And a couple more insights if I can before we go, Michael.
0: Yeah, that's uh, right.
1: a couple of things come to mind. Seek progress, not perfection. Now that'll mean something to perfect to the perfectionists. Uh, see, the the procrastinator is really a perfectionist in disguise. That's what it is, really. So, give up the the, the give up the idea of perfection of getting it right. Seek progress. Uh, one done is better than one done. Half as good is better than none done. Now, procrastinators don't get anything done because we're too we're too because hey, I'm speaking from a reformed procrastinator here, reformed uh, perfectionist. Uh, the other thing is this, r- relevant to what you were saying, Michael, be f- be fixed on the goal. I'll use your terminology, the dream. Be fixed on the dream but flexible on how you get there.
0: I do you keep saying it's my terminology? Is that yours? No, it's yours. It's mine? Yeah, it's comes from, it comes from your landing page. Oh,
1: I don't even know yeah, what I've got the there
0: free, The three the keywords on that landing page were positivity, manifestation, and dreams, which is the reason why it's coming to the episode.
1: You are on the ball. Now I'm very impressed. I was just impressed before. Now I'm very impressed. <laughs> yeah, be fixed on the goal, be fixed on the mission, be fixed on the dream but be flexible how you get there. Now, what does that mean? Well, unfortunately, some people do it the arse around, the wrong way around. They remain flexible on the dream and fixed on the how you get there. And an example of that is if anybody keeps having a – they keep jumping from one thing to another, right? They don't finish anything. They start a project because that's the flavour of the month and then it's half finished and then they sit – it's called um, in marketing terminology. You'll know this, Michael, uh, where we get uh, we, we we get attracted to the bright shiny objects, right? In in marketing terminology, that's what we refer the bright shiny objects. And so mm-hmm. these catch our eye. We get distracted. We, we we're on we on we're on, we're on plan, goal A because goal A is the biggest goal A. I'm about goal A. Goal A is my life from now on. Goal A. Oh, what's that? What's that there? That's goal B. Goal A, goal B. I'm about goal B now, right? So there's no there's no fixation on the goal. Pick a goal and stick with it. But be flexible how you get there. So you may now this is how it works. Be, be fixed on goal A. Start on track B. Or path B, but if you find that path B isn't working so well, switch to path C. But the but the mission of A doesn't change. That's the, that's a, that's a, one of the none of none of these ideas, by the way, are mine. I I stand on the shoulders of giants of those who have who have gone before me. Uh, so anything that I say that sounds like it could be a good idea. Trust me, it's not mine. I've taken it from somebody else. Do do
0: you know, we all all do stand on top of giants. And if we didn't, we wouldn't be where we are as a human race. we're We're all seeking progress. And we learn from others. And... Without that learning for others, we'd be stuck in the caveman.
1: I've got a question for you. Now, so we've talked before, and, 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 and Michael, I really appreciate the time that you've given me to come on your show and chat away, and I probably must uh, go away in about five minutes if that's okay. Um, mm-hmm. so, but I've got a question for you. Now, you seem to be a very cool dude. Now, this is the – we've spoken before – and we're talking now, you've got it together. Now, do you meditate? No. Do you practice self-defense?
0: No. Do
1: you drink a lot of beer?
0: <laughs> no, I don't drink what, a lot of beer, no.
1: What is your secret? Okay, well, let me tell you from my observation, if I can. No, no, no. I am a people watcher, right? I don't miss a trick, all right? Here's what I notice about you. You haven't interrupted me once. Now, that doesn't come naturally to most people. I've I've interrupted you uh, once or twice. You haven't interrupted me once, which means you've got a great power to listen and be present to what the person's saying. I'll stop there. I'll I'll stop there on that. I actually thought maybe that comes because you're you're centred and because you meditate. Do you have a spiritual uh, philosophy that you follow?
0: not really not i'm just starting to look into them sort of side of things starting to um plan out my miracle morning so then i do meditate i do a bit of um i do a little bit of set learning instead of just when i want um and affirmations and i I go I, i want to be able to go through all that um but no 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 it's it's on a recent this composure that I have composure
1: this, that's the right word for it.
0: This um, and what yeah what you're picking up on uh, of this cool and calmness it's a recent thing it is a recent thing and it's because of my amazing wife that I've got that's that, that's the be all and end all of it. Um, is she there? She's, is she there? She's downstairs at the moment. Oh, okay.
1: So I can't, um, can't right
0: So um, behind every but, good
1: man is a strong woman, right?
0: Yeah. can't it, say it, it, 21, twenty-one. I'm not a um I'm not lying when I say it. it's because of her. It really is because of her. Uh she's given me the time and the knowledge and the insight to to see my errors and, in my, um, and my ways of what I was like before her and to where I am now. Uh, so we've been together about three and a half years. And in that time, um, she really has like dramatically changed my life um, through giving me the time to be able to see myself and, and her ability to be able to empathise empathize with, with people um, give them the, the, the time of the day and listen listen, to them, it's really rubbed off, to, off, off on me, if you like. Um, so that's where it's come from.
1: Well, I'm going to say this. I think it's bloody terrific. I really do. I think uh, what a what a lucky man you are to have a wife like that. And I think it's bloody terrific to see you so composed and conduct an interview, a conversation. It hasn't been an interview, but an interview. I've been doing all the talking, but uh, you know, the um, conversation. Whatever your wife's doing is working. And if I was a psychic, which I'm not, but if I were, <laughs> here's what I'd say to you. Keep it going because there's big things happening for you this year, Michael. If I was psychic, which I'm not, but if I were, I would say to you, Michael, which is kind of like me telling you I am, Michael, that this will be a breakthrough year for you. You are about to launch in a way that you never even thought possible. So I congratulate you and I encourage you to keep going. You're on the right track. I fully support you.
0: Thank you. So, guys, that comes up to the end of our episode today. It's been a, a great one, a long one, but a great one. It's been fantastic having Mike, Mike on. Um, as you can see, right wherever my hand is, there, down there. Um, and on for you guys on the podcast, if you visit michaelellisonline.com forward slash go forward slash comeback podcast or comeback YouTube you will go to either his podcast page or his YouTube channel uh, where you can delve more into the world of Mike and the Comeback Coach. Um, It's been fantastic having you on, Mike. It's been lovely chatting to you. And don't forget, guys, to tune in again next time. And we'll see you on another episode.